Good morning. Today we'll be reading Matthew 13, 1 to 9 and 18 to 23. And I'll be reading from the ESV. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun arose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Among other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sore. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Amen. At this time, please join me in welcoming up uh, Pastor JP for the preaching of the word. I'm going to be zoning in on the word today, growth. And the title of today's message is, Are You Growing? Are you growing? If you're sitting next to anyone right now, one of you ask them right now, are you growing? When I think of this question, and I ask you this question, are you growing? And when you asked the person next to you, are you growing? I really wonder what area of your life that you thought of. In what way are you growing? I, I, I really wonder. I want to sit with you and, and I want to hear what you have to say. When you think of yourself growing, by what metric or by what fruit do you think of? Right? Some people may think, oh, are you growing physically? You know, these days I've been uh, running outside every day. I've been going to the gym, doing my push-ups, working out, and I want to see progress. I want to see my pesar go down, right? And uh, I want to I see that, that growth, okay? I want to see that, that growth of muscle. Maybe not the growth of the fat, but the growth of the muscle, right? Some people, when I ask you, are you growing? Maybe you thought financially, Am I growing financially? Am I, is my savings account growing? Some of you guys 
Maybe you thought your education. Am I growing in knowledge? Some of you guys, you're in school. Am I actually learning? Am I growing through this? Some of you guys, you thought maybe disciplines, right? Whether it's spiritual disciplines or just disciplines, all right? Am I growing in responsibility? Am I growing in faithfulness to these things? Maybe if you're a pastor, Pastor Susie or myself, or, you know, maybe we're thinking our church. Is our church growing? Is our church size growing? Is our church attendance growing? Is our church commitment growing? Are we growing? This passage, as our sister Gina read, uh, we hear a parable of the sower. We hear a very familiar passage here, of the parable of the sower. And we see here an imagery, a parable of a sower planting seeds in four different situations or four different soils. It's a parable with the use of the growth of what? It is a growth of seeds. Growth of seeds. Now, when you read this passage, or when you heard Gina, um, you know, reading this passage, this may or may not be the first thing that comes to mind when you read this. But did you know that this passage is this passage is actually talking about spiritual warfare? This passage. Is talking about spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is real. It's real. It's even happening right now. Scripture speaks of the existence of spiritual warfare all over the place. Scripture says that the enemy prowls around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. Scripture says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Scripture says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities. There is a battle going on in the spiritual realm that breaks into the physical even. It's real. Uh, A couple weeks ago, our brother Jacob preached a message, and he said this phrase that caught my attention. He said, let's not be practical atheists. Let's not be practical atheists. And what that means is, maybe we as Christians, we believe in our minds the gospel. But we live like we don't believe, maybe. We live like we don't follow through with what we believe. That's what he meant. Living as if we don't believe in God. I know, I don't know the phrase for this, but included in what it means to be a practical atheist is not only living as if we we don't believe in God, but it's living as if we don't believe in Satan. Living as if we don't believe that spiritual warfare is real. My point regarding spiritual warfare is this. Brother and sister, God is after your heart. But God is not the only one after your heart. The devil is after your heart as well. This guy named Daryl Brock, he says, When God seeks to speak to us, when God seeks to speak to humanity, a cosmic battle breaks out. When God's reckless love is after your heart, 
a cosmic battle, a spiritual warfare, it breaks out. Even right now as I'm speaking, did you know that it's happening even right now? We are at war. This is serious. The enemy hates our salvation. He hates that we are saved. He hates that we believe in Christ. The enemy, he hates our sanctification. He hates that we are becoming more like Christ. The enemy, he hates the glorification of the saints. He hates Christ. He hates Christ-likeness. He hates the kingdom of Christ. And he hates our growth. Are you growing? Did you know, brother and sister, the enemy hates our growth. He wars against our growth. He wars against us walking in our true identities in Christ. Here in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. I just want to lay it out real quick, straightforward. Here, the seeds that are planted. What is the seed? It says here, the seed is the word of the kingdom. It's the teachings of Jesus. Simply put, it's scripture. These are the seeds that are planted. All right. So when I asked, when I said earlier, how, are, you know, how do we grow? What are the metrics by which we grow? We talk about growing financially, growing emotionally, growing mentally, growing all these things. But this passage specifically, I'm going to zone in on one thing. Growing in the word of God. Growing in the word of God. The word of God is a seed. Who is the sower? The sower is none other, other than Abba Father, our God. He is the sower. And what is the soil here? The soil is are our hearts. Our hearts represent the soil. Here is the foundational truth that I'm just going to lay out from the, get, from the beginning. The primary way we grow and are transformed is through the very word of God. Period. I'll say that again. The primary way we grow and we are transformed is through the word of God. It's through truth. The truth. We grow when the truth of God's word is planted in our hearts. And this seed goes deeper and deeper, thereby bringing transformation and growth. And today through this passage, I want to share three ways our growth is stunted. Three ways our growth is stunted. In other words, three ways the soil of our hearts can be unhealthy. All right? And the first is this. The first way our growth can be stunted is what I like to call passivity. Can we say passivity? All right? I'm going to read here. This is where the seeds are scattered among the path on the ground. And the seeds actually don't go deep into the soil, but they're scattered on the floor and the birds come and have a buffet. The birds come and they eat. They eat all the seed and they pluck it away. I was walking by Hapjong Station the other day and then this Ajima, for some reason, she just scattered all this bread. She loves them pigeons or something. She scattered all this bread and all these pigeons, like hundreds of them started flying in and then everyone started screaming, ah! Right? This is what's going on here. 
Here, Jesus interprets it himself. He says, Jesus says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown into his heart. There are two issues here in this portion, in this soil. The two issues is this. Hearing the word. Second, understanding the word. Hearing the word and understanding the word. The first, it's when the seed is scattered on surface level. It doesn't even get in the soil. You see, the devil doesn't even want the seed of truth to be even planted in our hearts. So when the word of God is given out, even as I am scattering seed right now, so to speak, the enemy does not want it to go in. How many of you know that the truth of God's word cannot transform our hearts if when the word of God goes out and we aren't even listening? It's pretty pretty straightforward, right? It's when we hear the word, but we're not really listening intently. We're not being focused on hearing and listening to the word. We are unengaged. The seed hasn't even gone in. And the second, in this passage, Jesus says, and they do not understand the word. Hearing is the first step. Understanding it is the second step. Not understanding, not giving effort to understand the scriptures. A lot of times, we read the text, we read scripture, and there's something that we don't understand. It's too hard. The theology is too much for me. What is the abomination of desolation? What does this mean? What does that mean? So many times we give up, don't we? When's the last time we read scripture, we didn't understand on something, and then we wrestled, we took seas of the text, we wrestled with the text. I have to know what this means. I have to understand this. But so many times, we are passive. We are passive. What does passivity mean? Passivity, passivity means just letting things happen. Not giving effort. It's like, we like the term passive income, don't we? Passive income, where we invest in a stock. We invest in, you know, some kind of uh, index fund or something. And then we don't have to do any work. We don't have to do anything to earn income. We just invest, we leave it there, and we call that passive income because we don't have to do anything. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't work like that with the Word of God. It doesn't work like that. With the word of God. We become passive rather than active in both listening and seeking understanding of the word of God. There is this phrase called, there's this phrase, it's called death by a thousand cuts. You guys ever heard of that? Death by a thousand cuts. And, you know, Taylor Swift made a song titled that, but anyway, it's like death by a thousand cuts. And it's this idea that there are so many minuscule, small cuts to the point where we don't even notice. It doesn't even hurt. 
But the accumulation of all these small cuts, they add up to a slow and painful demise. Death by a thousand cuts. And I believe that this is a way, a covert way that the, en- that the enemy attacks us. When we think about spiritual warfare and the enemy attacking us, maybe we think an exorcism is happening. Someone is, is demon-possessed. Something's as obvious as that. But did you know, death by a thousand cuts, I believe that the enemy attacks every day in such covert ways through a simple thing such as distraction. And when we are passive, when we are passive, even, even if we're, as we're listening to the Word of God, on Sundays, or for when we're reading passages of Scripture, if we are just passive and not fighting off distractions, if we are just passive and just not wrestling with the text, and that accumulates, we get used to that more and more and more. Sooner or later we know our hearts have gotten hard. A slow and painful demise as we are passive with fighting against these things. A death by a thousand cuts. Here we see the goal of the enemy is distraction and disregard. Distraction and disregard toward the word of God. He doesn't even want the word of God to get in the soil. Even right now, I can say confidently, even right now as I'm preaching this, and I'm not just saying this to promote myself or saying, come on, listen to me. Listen to my... I'm saying this because I believe I'm preaching the Word of God and the Word of God can only transform our lives. Even right now, there are distractions going on. You see, maybe, you know, I believe that the enemy is behind all these distractions, but also, it's not just the enemy, it's also our sinfulness. Let's not... Let's not be naive and blame everything on the devil. Let's not give him that much credit, you know? You know, a lot of times, yes, the enemy attacks. Yes, he sets up these things. But a lot of times, he just leaves us to be on our own. Because he knows that our sinfulness is enough. Charles Spurgeon, he said this, A hard heart does the devil's work for him. It's like passive income for the devil, so to speak. You don't have to do any work. Leave us alone. There lies the unreceived word on the surface of our hearts, and then he takes it away. He takes it away. The power of the evil one largely springs from our own evil. It's because of our passivity. How many times... Do we hear his words, but we don't listen? We aren't listening. We're not focused. How many times has a sermon, the very word of God, become background music? How many times in our personal readings of scripture, even in, as we worship to worship songs that are enriched with truth, enriched with scripture, how many times have we become passive and letting these truths go deep? How many times have we given up on seeking understanding? How many times have we shied away from difficult passages because they're too hard to understand? Brothers and sisters, we're all in this together. I feel you. If this is you, I feel you. I am 
Pastor Susie can tell you, I, my focus, my level of attention is very weak. I get so distracted. I get so distracted so easily. I'll be the first one to admit that even as I'm watching a sermon from Zoom, I'm not giving my full presence to the Word of God. I get so easily distracted, especially church in this season of Zoom. In this COVID season where so much of service is through Zoom. It's so much more challenging to give our full presence and attention to the Lord. But brother and sister, we cannot be passive in this. We cannot stop feeding the birds. The devil snatches away this truth, this growth opportunities through simple distractions and busyness. I'm not here to condemn anyone. We all battle through this. But the more distractions there are and the more busyness there is, the more of a resolve and intentionality we must have in our hearts to fight against passivity. Fight against passivity. How do we engage in this warfare? How do we fight back against the enemy in this? We need to fight to make time, make space for His Word. Are you growing? Do you want to grow? It's got to be through His Word, brothers and sisters. We need to practice focusing and giving God our undivided attention. We may not be perfect, But God sees our intent. We need to wrestle with the text. Whenever you see a scripture that's hard to understand, we need to park there, stare at it. We need to wrestle with it. Just like the imagery of Jacob wrestling with Jesus. Jacob wrestling with that man, saying, I'm not going to let you go until you give me my blessing. It's that holy stubbornness with God. And we pray, spirit of wisdom and revelation, open my eyes. Give me understanding in this word. I have a grip of you right now, and I'm not going to let you go until you give me understanding. Until you give me my blessing. Passivity. Passivity. The second way our growth is stunted is persecution. Is persecution. The next soil is where, is where seeds fall on the rocky ground. And there's not much soil. The seed has gotten in. The seed has gotten into our hearts, has gotten into the soil, but the soil was so shallow. And when the sun came, it scorched up that seed, and there was no fruit. The second way our growth is stunted is when we are pressured by persecution. And Jesus says here, Jesus says here, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. They got hyped. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while when tribulation or hardship or persecution arises on account of the word. Immediately he falls away. 
Immediately he falls away. Here is someone who receives the word with joy. The word has come into the heart. There has been attentiveness. There has been focus. Now the seed has come into the heart. We get hyped. Our emotions are captured. We receive it with joy. There's a lot of zeal. But the problem is, there's not much commitment after. There's not much follow through. The problem was not their sudden growth, but the lack of depth. It reminds me of when I was in youth group. When I was a youth group teacher. We would always pray. We would always remind the, the students when we go to retreats, they're just on fire. They're just on fire. I will give myself to you, Lord. They hear a message on missions. They run to the altar. They get on their knees. I give everything to you, Lord. I will never, ever sin again. I will never, ever, you know, watch that again. I will break my CDs and I will never listen to secular music again. I don't know what it is. And then they get so excited. They're on fire. And then the sun comes. A little hardship comes their way and there is offense. There is challenge. And that seed is burned up. Here, the next step of Satan's attacks. If Satan fails, if Satan fails to get the seed, actually preventing the seed from actually getting into the soil, what is the next step? The seed's in. The next step is to burn that seed so it doesn't go deep. His goal here, I said earlier when it comes to passivity, his goal was distraction, right? Right here, when it comes to persecution, his goal is offense and fear. Offense and fear. And this is something I've been repeating again and again and again in this past house church season a christian that curates and believes in a self-centered christianity will not have the fortitude to withstand hardship and persecution i'll say that one more time a christian that curates and believes in a self-centered christianity will not have the fortitude to withstand hardship and persecution and the problem today when the gospel is shared, when the gospel is preached, is we don't preach the full gospel. Christianity may be accepted because of the good news it provides. And that should be true. Amen. Redemption, forgiveness from sin, deliverance from eternal punishment. Breakthrough and deliverance from addictions and, and all these great things that Christianity has to offer. But when Christianity calls us to die... We shrink back. Christianity has a perspective on suffering that our flesh hates. I remember Pastor Susie said this line. She said, Jesus didn't die on the cross that we wouldn't, just so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus died on the cross to show us how. Jesus can be our Savior, but not our King and Lord. In other words... We need to repent and turn back to a Christ-centered Christianity. A Christ-centered Christianity. We see here in this illustration, we see a shallow heart. What does a shallow heart look like? 
A shallow heart looks like a heart without conviction. Yes, we understand, we receive the word, we understand the word, but there's no conviction. A shallow heart is a heart that is not teachable. We understand the word, but we don't want to change. A shallow heart is a heart without repentance. We don't want to admit. We don't want to confess to the Lord that this is where we lack. We don't want to confess. We don't want to change to be more like Christ. That is a shallow heart. When we want Christ to do everything, we want to bend the will of God. We want to bend the word of God so that it aligns more to our will in our lives rather than us bending to His will. Brothers and sisters, what's it going to be like in the last days? What's it going to be like when the great tribulation hits? We're going to see the weeds and the tares being separated. We're going to see so many people falling away because of offense, because of fear. Persecution is going to increase more and more. Suffering is going to increase more and more. And if we don't have a Christ-centered Christianity that we are growing in, man, it's going to be a dangerous place for us to be. How do we engage in warfare in this? We need to be faithful Brothers and sisters, we need to be faithful in the mundane. We cannot be childish and getting just hyped up and, and just merely emotional when it comes to encounters with God, when it comes to receiving revelation of His Word. We can't just feed on those moments. But we need to be faithful and consistent in the mundane when we don't feel anything. When we don't feel anything. Continue to position yourself to receive the word of God, even if you don't feel it. Another way to engage in warfare is practice repentance. Make repentance a spiritual practice. Recognize that we stray again and again and again. And by His kindness, we turn back to Him again and again and again. Lord, I'm sorry. I have made Christianity about me again. Lord, my prayer life, I examine it. I realize I've just been asking you to bless my life, but I have done nothing to further your kingdom. I repent again, again, and again. And brothers and sisters, remember... Repentance is a weapon. It's a powerful weapon. So the first way our growth is stunted was through passivity. The second way our growth is stunted was through persecution. And the third way that our growth is stunted is through prosperity. Prosperity. This is where the seeds actually are not on surface level. Is not on shallow soil. The seed has actually gotten deeper, but the seeds were choked up with thorns underground. And Jesus says here, He says, This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Thorns here 
choke up the truth. There are two thorns here. The cares of the world. Worldliness. Where we just care. We're, we're very nearsighted. We care about just our life here now. And we lose eternal perspective. Where life eternally matters very little to us. When we're wrapped up in worldliness. And the second thorn is sinful prosperity. And I say sinful prosperity because prosperity is not bad. Money is not bad. But the love of money, that's where it gets sinful. Sinful prosperity. I'm going to expound on on that more later. Spiritual warfare. So we see here, if persecution didn't work, if passivity didn't work, if, if, if we fought enough to pay attention, if we fought enough to give, God, to give God our full presence with the word of God, if we fought enough to resist persecution and suffering and not be offended at God, oh, the seed, praise God, the seed has gone in. Now here's where the devil attacks, especially the Western church, through prosperity. His goal here now is idolatry and lust. With passivity, I want to remind us, the goal was distraction. With um, persecution, the goal was offense and fear. Now here, with prosperity, the goal is idolatry and lust. The weeds, worldliness and materialism, the weeds would compete for the good seed in our hearts. You see, when it comes to, I want, you, I want us to imagine in our hearts, the soil of our hearts, both the good seed of God's word, but also the seed of, there are weeds in there that try to take up space, that try to take away the nutrients, that try to take away our energy, our time. And they choke up this truth. They choke up the word of God in our hearts. Brothers and sisters, let's think about this. All of us, we're surrounded by a culture of this. All of us are not exempt from this. What we are consumed with is what we give our money and attention and time toward. It's our idol. If we do not prioritize God, other things are going to come and choke away these things. The deceitfulness of riches materialism, and the idolatry of money. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, in this next house church season, we're going to be studying Jesus' letters to the seven churches and revelations. The reason why we're studying this, we want to hear what Jesus is saying to prepare the church for the end times. And as I, as I last couple months, as I've been studying these seven letters to prepare for this next house church season, you know what I see again and again and again? The increase of persecution, but also the increase of idolatry, increase of materialism, increase of worshiping mammon, worshiping prosperity. This passage is also an end time message. Passivity, persecution, prosperity is all going to get intense more and more moving forward. How do we engage in spiritual warfare when it comes to prosperity? We need to practice radical generosity. 
generous in our time to others, generous in our wealth and giving, generous in giving our presence to those who need. We need to always, always check our hearts toward materialism. Brothers and sisters, I'm not saying material things are bad. I'm not saying that prosperity is bad. I'm not saying that God is against prosperity. I'm not saying that at all. But there is a slippery slope, let's be honest, where these blessings can become our idols. We need to treat every blessing just as Abraham treated his son Isaac. A blessing from the Lord. But Abraham's heart was always, always willing to lay it down. All blessings that God has given us. If God tells you to lay it down, we better be ready to lay it down. So the three prevalent things that stun our growth here are passivity, persecution, and prosperity. But here, here we see in this parable, Jesus closes with one last soil. The fourth situation here that Jesus shares are good seeds, seeds that are planted in good soil. This I would like to call, to continue the alliteration using the P, is a heart of persistence. A heart of persistence. Jesus says, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields 160, 30-fold. Here is the fruitful heart. And why I put persistent is this. This is the heart that overcomes the previous three temptations. Persistence, what does persistence mean? Persistence means this. It's continuing firmly and steadfastly toward a course of action in spite of difficulty and opposition. Persistence fights against passivity, endures persecution, and is not overtaken by prosperity. A persistent heart is a heart that is prepared for the end times. Hears and understands the word of God. Fruitful. There is, what is a, what is a healthy, what is a good heart? What is a, Good soil. What does that look like in our lives? Man, I desire this with all my heart. A heart that is teachable and hungry. For more of the word of God. A heart that is sensitive to awe. A heart is fascinated fascinated by his beauty. Tender. A heart that is surrendered. Willingly. Joyfully. A heart that is thankful. A heart that is worshipping. A heart that is focused. This is a good soil here. But let's be honest, church. How many of us, how many of us feel that our hearts are very hardened right now? How many of us have given away and just allowed passivity to happen? How many of us have allowed suffering and persecution to get the better of us? Shaking things up in our hearts. How many of us have been distracted with prosperity and the things of this world? 
Our hearts are hardened. But praise be to God. Because I love that this passage is not titled the parable of the soils. Although I thought it should be named the parable of the soils. This parable is titled the parable of the sower. We have a faithful sower and his name is Jesus. And the way that he sows, the way that he takes care of the soil of our hearts. There are two ways. One you're not going to like, one you're going to (laughs) like. The first is if our hearts are hardened. If the soil is hardened, it needs to be tilled. It needs to be broken. It needs to be broken. We need to be disciplined. Just like he prunes our hearts, he tills the soil of our hearts. He allows hardships to happen. He maneuvers difficult circumstances to happen. He takes away certain idols before it becomes bigger and bigger in our lives. He allows difficult, uncomfortable things to happen that we would repent and come back to Him. That is the way He tills the soil of our hearts. The second way is the one we love. He pours out fresh rain. He gives, by His grace, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He refreshes the weary He refreshes those who repent and come to Him. He refreshes those who come as they are, as Pastor Susie was alluding to earlier. He's gracious. Do we notice here that there's a partnership going on here to ready our hearts? There is a working out of our salvation, but there is also He is faithful to complete what He started. You see, we are responsible for our hearts. We need to fight against the enemy. We need to fight against these things of what I've been preaching on. But it's not all on us. The Lord is ready to empower us. The Lord is ready to pour out. Have you guys noticed that this whole time as I've been preaching, we've been talking about the planting of seeds. We haven't even gotten to fruit yet. (laughs) We've just been talking about seeds. Good seed in good soil leads to good trees, leading to good fruit. Let me say that one more time. Good seed in good soil leads to good trees, leading to good fruit. What is good fruit? And I'm just going to share this fruit not as an exhortation to, I want you to you know, adjust your actions and do these things. Because we want to focus on the seeds here. We want to focus on the, the soil here. But once we focus on the soil, you know what the Holy Spirit brings about? He brings about good fruit. And it comes in the form of winning others to Christ. It comes in the form of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It comes in joyful generosity with finances. It gives, it gives, it gives us you know, kingdom perspective. It builds our Christian fruit is Christian character. The way we handle stress, the way that we handle difficulty. The fruit of eternal perspective, the fruit of worship. 
the fruit of a joyful pursuit of holiness. I want this fruit in my life. But I can't have it. I can't strive for it unless I pay attention to my heart. Unless I pay attention to all these things. So let me ask you again, are you growing? Are you growing in His Word? To be more specific. David said in Psalm 1, Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditates on the Word of God, the seed of God, day and night. He is like a tree, come on, planted by streams of living water. Paul says in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ, the seeds of Christ, dwell in you richly. Jesus himself prayed in John 17.17, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Transform them, Lord, with your truth. Without the seeds of truth, there is no growth. There is no maturity. There is no exaltation of Christ. And here's my challenge that I want to ask you, church, and I ask myself this. If we are not growing, then what are we doing? If we are not growing and being transformed by the word of Christ... If we're not allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. And if that doesn't bother us. Then I ask us to examine our hearts. Then what are we doing? What is this all for? We have to fight. To let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Brothers and sisters. I want to share real quick. I don't want to just share that and say, womp, womp, let's close in prayer. I want to give us, I'm going to go through this real quick. Five practical applications to spiritual growth. And please write this down. Five practical applications to spiritual growth. First, let's keep it at the P, okay? Practice confession and repentance. Practice confession and repentance. Our hearts get hard because of our sin. We got to own it. We got to admit that it's our fault at times. We got to humble ourselves and be honest before the Lord. And the first step is to confess our idleness, confess our passivity, confess our idols, confess our idolatry of prosperity, confess these things and repent and come back to Him. Practice confession and repentance. And second, Practice consistency over intensity. This is really important. You know, I've been trying to lose my belly fat, but my mindset, you know, I've been, I, I, you know, I had uh, lunch with one time with uh, my wife's cousin. He used to be a soccer player. He's very fit. And I asked him, how do you, how do you lose that belly fat? And he looked at me. He's like, you know, you have to be consistent. You have to run Every day, even if it's a little bit. And I realized I was the type to go to the gym like once a week. And I want to make that one once a week count. And I, I, I go for a run once a week and I want to make it count. And I chose intensity over consistency. 
I, I, oh, this is just once a week. I'm going to go all out. And I come home, I feel exhausted. Oh, that was a great workout. But what that cousin told me was, nope, that's not how, how you're going to lose it. Even if he, he's told me, even if you don't feel it, even if you're not drenched in sweat, run a little bit every day. Get your body used to it. And that's what matters. Consistency over intensity. When it comes to the Word of God, don't just get hyped up because of this message or any message and, and, and go home. Okay, I'm going to commit to this intensity. I'm going to read the whole book of John now. <laughs> I encourage you. Read a little bit, even if you don't feel anything. Practice consistency over intensity. And third, practice faithfulness in the mundane. Don't have shallow soil and only be excited initially. Don't depend on the feeling. Don't depend on the feeling. Practice faithfulness in the mundane. Right now is the perfect time to practice this. It is so mundane. <laughs> so many mundane opportunities in this time of lockdown and limitations, isn't there? And fourth, this is very difficult for me, and Pastor Susie is going to laugh at me. Practice focusing. Fighting distraction. I laugh, but I'm serious. I've been trying to tell myself, I need to be better at focusing during our meetings. And, you know, like, my, Susie tells me, like, she knows when my eyes glaze over. And she's like, come back, come back, come back. Practice focusing, no distraction. When it comes to the Word of God, I know you've heard this many times, but it's so true. We need to read the Word of God without our phones. And not just when we read the Word of God. We need to try our best to be away from any distraction possible, especially our phones, whenever the Word of God is preached. Let's not be passive in this. We need to be fully present. And last, practice praying before and after the sowing. Practice praying before and after the sowing. When it comes to a service, worship service, when you're about to hear the word of God, or when you're about to sit down having to have a quiet time, a time of spending time with the Lord in his word, what's important is before you get sown into and after. Pre-service, pre-sowing, don't rush in. I, I really respect this about first generation, my, my, you know, my parents' generation, when I went to church with them. You know, when you go into a service before it starts, you'll see so many people already praying, preparing their hearts, getting rid of distractions. It is so hard to get rid of distractions and set our minds right when we come in right on the mark or even late. It's hard. So please, coming on time to services matters. Preparing our hearts matters. Don't rush in and also don't rush out. After service, I remember at my old church in Virginia, so many times after we finished service, uh, you know, we all go out and then there's a number of people that continue to sit there in, in the pews and they're praying, they're processing, they're wrestling with God. They're allowing that seed to go deep so it's not snatched away.
Don't rush out. Journal. Meditate. Externally process. Talk about this word. Talk about the seeds that are planted. Practice praying before and after the sowing. I want to invite uh, Brother Brian up to lead us in a time of prayer. Lead us in a time of prayer. And I'm going to close with this. I know I've been going long, but I think this is important. (laughs) I'm going to close with this. We've been talking about seeds. And I said healthy seeds lead to healthy, healthy trees. And healthy trees lead to healthy fruit. I want to extend that further. I want to say that healthy trees leads to healthy forests. Healthy trees leads to healthy forests. And what I want to end with is this. Your individual ownership of your heart, your individual growth and fruitfulness directly affects the corporate family. Your individual growth affects our corporate growth. Redwood trees are one of the strongest, tallest, thickest trees in the world. In California, you go to look at these sequoia trees, these redwood trees, and you look and you look up and you're so in awe because they're so tall and they're so strong and you wonder, how do they stay up? How do they stay up? And did you know that these redwood trees, they're never secluded by themselves, but they're always in clusters. They're always in forests. You know why? You know how redwood trees stay up? When you look underground, these roots grow sideways and they intertwine with one another's roots and they hold each other up. They share the nutrients and they become a healthy forest, strong, resilient against the winds. And I get an image of that for our church. That is, the, that is my heart's desire for our church. I pray that New Philly would be a healthy forest. Trees standing strong. Trees fighting against passivity. Trees fighting against persecution. Withstanding persecution. Trees fighting against resisting the temptations of prosperities. All these trees are going to increase more and more as we move forward. Once again, there is a war after your heart. There is a war after your heart. Let's not be passive. Let's not be offended and misunderstand God when suffering comes. And let's not pet the idol of materialism and prosperity. Let's engage. Let's fight back, brothers and sisters.